You're listening to the Elevate Podcast, the official podcast of the Coastal LA Singles Ministry, where our focus is reaching up, reaching in, and reaching out. All right, thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for waiting for me. Uh, tonight we're talking about hot topics, and uh, probably the hottest topic of them all, uh, about dating outside the church, okay? And um, I grew up with four brothers and three sisters, and uh, I'm, I like when we speak together, I like to be close. I mean, that's just the way I am. And um, I, my wife says I violate people's personal space all the time. She does. I got it. I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Thank you. So when I was um, when I was dating Lena, she felt really insecure because um, I was a young Christian, really relatively, and I would talk to sisters, and I would always be like really close. And she's like, "Why are you so close?" I said, "I'm not close. That's just the way people talk, you know. I mean, they're close together, and I'm always like touching and stuff like that. So that's just I grew up that way. I'm very how do you say tactile? I'm very tactile. But uh, today we're going to talk about uh, dating outside the church, which is a fairly hot topic, wouldn't you say? So what have you guys talked about so far? What did you guys talk about last week? What are some of these hot topics that we've been talking about? What are we doing secret? You mean like, like Second Lives or something like that? Secret Sin? Okay. That's a hot topic. What do we do when we're alone? What do we think about when we're by ourselves? I mean, we're with the fellowship, gosh, very, very little in terms of actual time together. Sunday, devotional, maybe D time. But really, a lot of our Christian walk is by ourselves, in our jobs, in our schools, in the commute. What do we think about in, in our minds? That's really good. What else, what else did we talk about the week before? You guys remember? What's that? Okay. Okay. All right. All right. So today really is the hot topic, all right? And uh, dating outside the church. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that um, I know for me, I appreciate the brothers and sisters. When we become disciples, we've narrowed our field quite a bit. Uh, some of us in this room, you're pro- if you weren't a disciple, you'd probably be married by now. And you probably have, you know, obviously more choices out there. But I always appreciate the singles uh, ministry, the brothers and sisters, because you've decided for the sake of your faith to go, you know what, I'm going to marry someone. I'm going to look for someone that has the same faith as me. And that narrows your faith down, that narrows your field down quite a bit. And I want to tell you that that's not unappreciated by God. That is not unappreciated by, by uh, the person that you worship and the person that you made that sacrifice for. But I want to talk tonight about just what does that mean? What does that look like, a dating outside the church and uh, that, that whole issue about dating? Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful to you uh, that we can be together, that we have guidance through the scripture. God, I appreciate you, God. You allow us to really wrestle through things. And God, sometimes you don't even make things uh, especially clear because you want us to really go back and think about it and really get the heart behind it instead of just obeying a command. Father, help us tonight as we talk about a very important topic for many of us in this room. And uh, God, help us to shed light, have clarity on what does that mean. What does it mean to to have a dating relationship uh, in the church? What does it mean to, 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 to look outside of our fellowship. And uh, Father, help, uh, help me to really speak clearly and boldly and uh, just uh, according to your word. Not my opinion, but to your word. Uh, Father, we love you so much. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. All right, let's see if this thing works. Dating outside the church. Um, dating is a funny thing, don't you think? Uh, we can go from this extreme you know, there are days we feel like that, don't we? Like, I'm the man. Man, you'd be lucky if you get a date with me, right? Like, we're really, you know, he looks like some of us. It's like, it's like Steve there. Steve Ohm. I got that from Steve. 
And then there's other times when we're super insecure, right? Like our true selves come out. I love this caption. It says, and then, ha ha, she accused me, ha ha, of using humor to hide, ha ha, my emotions. So we can go from one extreme to another. I know, sisters, I mean, I know we, sometimes we feel a lot, right? Sometimes we wake up and we're like, man, we're Miss Universe. And sometimes we're like, oh my gosh, I don't want to see anybody run away. Uh, guys are not that different, just to let you know. You think that guys are like impervious? We, we have one emotion, but it does get affected, you know? <laughs> All right, it says, you're fluent in 24 programming languages, uh, but you can't even talk to me about the weather with me, okay? So we struggle. Uh, to, what to say in a date? How do, we, how do we communicate with one another? Especially now with Facebook and stuff like that where we kind of limit our interaction. We want to throw out there what we want people to perceive us at. But, you know, when we get together one-on-one, that's, that's, really, that's really novel, isn't it? To get together and have a conversation together face-to-face. And then I like this one too. It says, I'm so glad you agreed to meet in person. There are some things that can't be said in 140 characters. Okay, we got to get deeper uh, in our relationship. I uh, came out of a really bad relationship when I first became a Christian. Um, in college, I dated a girl, and uh, she was my high school and college sweetheart, and uh, she was from a foreign country, and her visa expired. So we ran to City Hall and did the marriage thing. And that's when I got met. I got met on campus. Someone invited me to study the Bible, and I studied the Bible all the way through, uh, but I forgot to tell one thing, the secret lives thing. I forgot to tell the guys I was studying with that I was actually married on paper. So I, I was in the church, and um, I was enjoying the church, but I felt really guilty. For a couple of months, I couldn't read the Bible. Like, I opened the Bible, I just couldn't read it, because it's like, I'm, I'm not being honest. I was living a double life. So, July 4th came around, July 4th, uh, 1988. I figure, what the heck, Independence Day, time to be free. <laughs> free myself, you know. So I called the guy, I said, I got something to tell you. I'm actually married. He's like, what? <laughs> so... So anyway, so anyway, it was a big mess. I wish life would have been a lot easier if I just was open at the beginning. Big mess. At that time, I talked to my girlfriend, talked to her parents, talked to my parents. They were so, so mad. Talked to the church, tried to figure this whole thing out. And um, it got bad to worse. And then, you know, I was studying the Bible. I finally got open. I studied the Bible, got baptized. And I had a decision to make because... She, although she was actually the one that invited me to church, uh, she didn't want to be a disciple. So she begged me. She's like, Ken, listen, we can just go to church and, you know, like regular people um, and be together. I said, I can't, I can't, I can't. Because I was reading scriptures at that time and I kind of knew. And um, somebody said something funny. Did I say something? No, um, I read 2 Corinthians 6, which we will look at tonight. And for me, it was my own conviction that before God, I couldn't do it. So I broke up with her. That was probably the most painful day of my life. I mean, I was with this girl five years in a row, saw her every day. And we were best friends hanging out. And then one day I just told her, I can't, I can't be with you anymore. And, and it wasn't just that simple. I mean, the, the month before that, we were trying to do different things, trying to make a, make a go out of it, but uh, she just didn't want to be a disciple. So this topic actually is very, very close to my heart. And that was a very painful chapter in my life. So I can, I can feel that uh, the scripture is, is a very heavy scripture also uh, for the singles. When I became a Christian, actually, and then we broke up on that stuff, took, it was really painful. It took some time. And I didn't date for a long time. When I, was a, when I became a Christian, I enjoyed the single life quite a bit. I liked being with the brothers. I like, you know, no more girls, man. Girls, ah, poo, poo, you know, no more. Like too, too much trouble. You know, I said, no more. No, so, 
was a really bad example. I didn't go on dates uh, as part of campus ministry. I love campus ministry. I went to the singles ministry. I dated here and there. But uh, I was like, I was going to take a hiatus from dating for a while. And uh, it took someone to sit me down and says, listen, you need to be giving. That part of you. You need to wrestle through whatever you got in your heart. You need to, you know, give to the sisters. And, and that was a great talk for me. So today we're going to look at 2 Corinthians 6 about that. But it's more than about dating. You see, a lot of times we look at 2 Corinthians 6 and we think, well, and as we will see, it's about relationship and all this is more, more than that. You know, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2 says, Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. He says, For a time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine, instead to suit their own desires. They will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. When I was going through that as a young disciple, I was 21 years old, I wanted so bad to rip that page out of the Bible. Because I liked all the other stuff, you know, my parents and all that stuff, no problem. They hated, you know, me becoming, that's fine. But this relationship, I wanted this. It wasn't about giving up a car or a job or a school or, or whatever. You know, it was about somebody that I really cared about. And I, my itching ears really wanted to hear that it was okay. But, um, but according to scriptures, it wasn't. So it was my own conviction. And I think throughout the years, I've been a disciple for about 26 years now, I've really valued the fact that whatever I do, I need to really look at scriptures myself. It has got to be my own conviction. That's the only way that we're going to make it. Uh, you know, some of us are, have been Christians for a while. Some have been Christians, have been Christians for, you know, not too long. But that's the common denominator. It's got to be your relationship with God's Word, your relationship with what God is trying to tell you through the Word. Because our ears are pretty itchy. We want to hear what we want to hear. So that, you know, um, the Scripture is pretty, pretty straight to the point. You know, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, we are in a church, right? And you can say it's church policy, or you can say it's church culture, or what have you. And then you have to look a little bit deeper. You go, why do we have these policies? Why do we have this culture? And when Paul wrote to Timothy, he explains all the things that he was doing, telling Timothy, all the instructions that he was giving to Timothy, all the, the advice that he was giving Timothy, and he said this. He said, the goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. So before we head into 2 Corinthians 6, I want to talk about this a little bit. I want to talk about just the sincerity of what we're trying to do. I think a lot of times we lose trust and we lose faith, maybe not in God, but we lose trust and faith in people. And we have questions in our minds. Why are they imposing this on me? Why is this a rule? And doubts, you know, it creeps into the heart and it creeps into the mind. And I'll be very frank with you guys. I've heard that even in the singles ministry. About where is the single going? What are they doing? And every time I hear that, I turn around like, who are they? Like, what? who are they? They, they is what? We're all together in this. And when people tell you, you know, they and, and have a spirit of distrust, there's a weakness that maybe they've gone through some things. Don't be shackled by that. Don't be stuck by that. We're all trying to move forward and building a great singles ministry for which you will benefit. And you're in this thing together, so it's not just the leadership, but you're a leader as well. You are building a great singles ministry. 
you are, you know, whoever's not here tonight, don't wait until someone tells you, call you and say, hey, where is that guy? Shouldn't a family be like that? You know, I'm 48 years old. <laughs> yeah. I know, I, I don't look it, right? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, I still call my mom. I do. It's like if I'm traveling somewhere, if I come home from somewhere, I call her. I say, Mom, I made it home great. You know, uh, sometimes I visit her in San Francisco, drive home. When I, I know she's worried about me. Right? She's an 84-year-old, 83-year-old Asian woman. You know, she worries. So when I'm about to hit, you know, the 5, going to the 405, Mom, I'm almost home. You know, I'm good. I'm good. You know, it's, 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 it's family. That's what we do. No one makes me call her. I want to call her because we have this relationship, right? The singles, it's the same thing. And I heard that, you know, there's some singles that are missing. I know it's a little bit far. Um, I know the Torrance um, Hotel to here is like 1.2 miles. That's really far, guys. Oh, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Guys, come on. This is your ministry. When people are not here, it takes away from the ministry. You can call it whatever you want. It's a meeting of the body or, you know, it's whatever. It's like, it's, it's, you're meeting together. You're a family. You inculcate. You build that kind of family. Paul says, listen, the goal of this command is not control or it's not like, trying, it's, it's, that's, that's weird. The goal of this command is love. Because we are a people of God, we spur one another on towards love and good deeds. We try to please God. We try to live a holy life that is separate to please God. Whatever we do in secret or together, in our minds or in action, we do that to please God. Because the Bible says what? Find out what pleases the Lord. Right? The Bible challenges, encourages, find out. That's our job. It's not a program. It's not a church program. It's our job. Find out in my relationship with my wife. It's my job. Find out what pleases my wife. Find out. So Paul told Timothy, he says, Timothy, I'm not trying to, just, just to start off First Timothy chapter 1, right off the bat, he says, Timothy, let me just tell you that what we're about to do is love. is love for God and is love for one another. Okay, that's what we are all about here. And as a family, God, one another, and as an extended family, our cup overflows to loving our communities and our people around us. We have something to give. And that's what David says. The essence of what evangelism and impact in society is that, oh Lord, you know, my cup overflows. There's a picture of just being poured in by God, just man, just overflowing full of just, I can't, I can't help it to let you know about this. Okay. So what we're about to do, that's where it comes from. It comes from really love for God, love for one another, protecting, and we'll see that in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 6. Okay? All right. He says, we have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and open wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding your, yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as one, as to my children, open your hearts also. You know, Corinthians was a really tough church for Paul. Historically, they said that he wrote three letters, two are available to us, first and second Corinthians. But he was dealing with some stuff, and he was there, and he's trying to wrestle with these guys. And uh, he said this, he says, listen, he says, I've given you everything that I could possibly give. Okay? He says, I, I, I'm not withholding anything back. He says, Corinthians, but you're holding back from us, from me. And if you go back a little bit, you know, you, you take a look at the picture. What is he talking about? Apparently, what happened was that Paul preached to them, taught them about idolatry. Actually, this whole section here is about idolatry, something that you put before God. 
And Paul says, listen, listen, I, I know that I've challenged you over and over again, and I'm not letting this go. He says, this is God's church. We've got to really work through this. And he says, I'm not letting it go. And apparently what happened was that some people were offended by him, lost trust in Paul, and they stepped back. And you know how it is, right? And sometimes in our relationship, we're, we're giving, we're giving, we're just wondering, hey, how come I'm not reciprocated? In this, and, and obviously there's something that's blocking the relationship. So basically Paul says, listen, I know that I'm trying to get us to be where we need to be, but there's some resistance in this. And because of that resistance, it's really hurting our relationship. I don't feel the free-flowing exchange of our fellowship. I feel, I feel like there's a kind of like this. I feel like there's a resistance. I feel like there's a distrust in our relationship and he says listen open wide your hearts i'm telling you this i'm I'm doing this for you we're in this together and that's the context of this next passage here which if we don't look at this it seems really abrupt because he talks about this and then he talks about do not be yoked with unbelievers he says do not be yoked with unbelievers He says, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? So he lists off these contrasts, right? These three sets of contrasts. And he says, listen, he says, there there is, we cannot be in partnership. This scripture talks about partnership. You know, dating is not in the Bible. Did you guys know that? Dating is a fairly Western thing. Did you guys know that? And it's not that far off. You think like it's some ancient thing that, you know, when people are put together. My parents were put together. And uh, my mom is this beautiful Asian chick. I mean, I saw pictures of her, and that's what she looked like. She looked like a, you know, like a really beautiful like old, black and white. And my father was a, um, he was a um, administrator for these governments. And that's how we escaped to the U.S. was that he worked for the U.S. government in the State Department. So they were put together that this, this handsome, that's right, I'm saying handsome, this guy, and then my mom, they were put together. He was well off. My mom, you know, my mom barely had a high school education. She was, she was just paired up with my dad. And it's not as uncommon as you think. There's, it still goes on around the world. So dating is really not a thing that we, you know, that the Bible talks about. In the book of Genesis, don't turn there, um, Isaac and Rebecca, you know how long they dated? Zero. They met. Abraham sends his servant, Genesis chapter 24, to go out. Longest chapter in the Bible. I love that chapter. This guy goes out and he serves Abraham. His name was never mentioned. He was just a silent, silent, obedient, faithful servant of God. He goes out. Abraham gives him specific directions to look for what kind of wife that uh, he wants uh, Isaac to have. And they found, he found her, really persistent, brought her back. And uh, Isaac saw her. Boom. They got married right off the bat. Okay, so you got zero, and then you got, you know, uh, on, on the other hand, uh, Isaac's son, right? It took Jacob uh, and Rachel and, you know, that whole thing. That was a little bit of a mess, right? So you got, you got something that's so quick, you got, you know, just like today, just like back then, dating, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a mysterious thing, okay? But in the New Testament, they, they didn't talk about, it was an Eastern culture, Okay? So in the, in the book of Corinthians, it, isn't, it didn't talk about, this is not specific to dating. So when people bring this up, as they will in this issue, we have to read it in context. That Paul says, do not be yoked together with unbeliever. It's a farming term where these two animals work together under the same yoke. And Paul is saying that if you put something that's unequally yoked, it's going to tear away from each other. 
It might look really good at the beginning, at the starting point. But somewhere along the line, it's going to stray off. What does that mean for dating outside the church? Paul recommends that in any partnership, not just dating, business relationship, partnership, all those relationships that are intimate, that are close, Paul recommends what? He says, be careful. Be careful who you choose to yoke with. And ultimately, the ultimate partnership is in a marriage. And Paul says, be careful. And he actually says, do not be yoked with unbelievers. So we know that, right? Let's start with what we know, okay? We're not marrying someone who doesn't believe in Jesus. Are Are we good with that? We're going to build it up here a little bit, okay? Are we cool with that, all right? Someone, okay, are we, can we marry someone who's part of ISIS? Anybody? Anybody in here? Anybody's going to join ISIS here? No? Okay. All right, so two for two. We're pretty good. Okay. So uh, how about Buddhists? You know, are we going to marry someone with the Buddhist faith? Really nice guys, Buddhists. The middle way. You know, you, if you marry a Buddhist guy, you know, it's like very gentle and all that stuff. Anybody? We're good, right? Unbeliever, all right? All right, so, all right, here's where it gets a little bit messy. Okay, what about people that believe in Jesus? Okay, people that have a professing faith in Jesus. How much is that in the U.S. percentage-wise? About 70%, 75%, right? So we, we kind of know that. In a recent survey by Barna, Barna is a, a research company, and they sent out a research on the difference between people who believe in Jesus and people that don't. Setting out to, to, to prove that people who believe in Jesus you know, have better lives, you know, that are more moral. So they would ask questions that were pretty poignant, like, you know, have you been divorced? Um, do you watch pornography? Uh, do you, you know, just really, do you cheat at your job? Just really, really, really straightforward question. It wasn't masking anything. And to their surprise, when the data came back, basically there was no difference between people that went to church and people that didn't. Basically, there was, there was very little difference uh, in that. So this is where it gets sticky for us. Okay? Jesus said once, he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, right? He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God, but only he who does the will of the Father. Okay, so what does that mean for us? Let's say that we find somebody that we're interested in, maybe at work or, or you know, school or, or what have you. What do we do with that? You know, what does that look like? I don't know. Let's talk about it. I do think that it starts off with us really protecting our relationship with God. It starts off with that as being the highest. Don't forget, we're not talking about, this is a scripture about idolatry. Paul was dealing, go back, read read it for yourself. He's talking about idolatry. What is idolatry? Putting anything before God. It could even be a good thing. You can put your marriage before God. You can put this relationship before God. You can put anything before God. So, what does that mean for us in this day and age in America? I think it takes a lot of wisdom. I'm not going to give like straightforward, cut this, that. We're here to, to really do and find wisdom in this very sensitive topic. And I want to open it up a little bit later on to, to talk about it as well. Okay. So Paul says, look, in this regard, intimate relationship, partnership with someone as, as in this kind of magnitude in terms of the effects, he says, do not be yoked with unbelievers. And it goes beyond the boundaries of dating. It goes beyond the boundaries of uh, into the realm of business practices, 
um, any intimate partnership because he says ultimately it's going to tear, tear apart. Let's keep going. And there's a lot of Old Testament allusions to this. He says, I will live with them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. There are several facets of our relationship with God. In this part here, what's he talking about? He's talking about they will be my people. What does that mean? That means that corporately, God expects us to have a standard in our relationship, in our interface with the world. This is of a corporate nature. He says, I will walk among them, plural. He says, I will be their God, plural. And the Bible says that they will be my collective people. So what we do, it affects one another. Who we meet and what kind of relationships we have is not just this is my church life and this is my personal life. It's all intertwined together. And God says that you are in this whole thing together. You are a family. You are my people. You know, I think um, a lot of times we have, a, we have a 19-year-old, we have a 17-year-old, and we have a 3-year-old. It's really interesting how they are beginning to understand. You know, Elizabeth is uh, older, and she understands the concept of, of just together. We're a family. You know, it's like it's, uh, she's just finished school, and she's home. It's been great. She, she volunteers. You know, we go out, we go, Mom and Dad, we got it. I got this. We're gonna, I'll watch Gabby for you. You know, Nicole, our 17, she's still trying to figure out who she is. So we have our little jabs back and forth and, and this and that. That's normal. While Gabby, she's just fired up that she doesn't wear a pull-up at night, you know? That's just, that's just where she's at. She's like, woo, no pull-ups, you know? So we got a box full of pull-ups, you know, unused. Different, different maturity. But in the church, God says what? We are responsible for one another. We, we need one another. We affect one another. And what we do reflects upon one another. We are one together. So whatever I do affects you. And there's an old, I'm dating myself. There was an old, old, um, Commercial. It's a shampoo commercial. And it's uh, Vidal Sassoon. You guys know that one? What's the, what's the caption on that? If you don't look good, I don't look good. If I don't look good, you don't look good. If we don't look good, it's, there's a sense of, like, hey, it's a shampoo commercial. But even though they understand that, it's the product that they give out. And they go, look, if this product's not working, it makes us look bad. Instead of a Vidal Sassoon, it's Vidal Baboon. No. I mean, it doesn't look good, you know. So there's a sense of community and there's a sense of corporateness to this. He says, therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. This is an allusion to Old Testament scriptures where the Israelites intermingle in their marriage with the surrounding communities. And it was a really sad occurrence uh, in the Old Testament, and there were several times, actually, where the prophets would actually have to call them out and separate the families. Uh, and it was very painful, yeah. if you look at that. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, I, I, I don't know, where do we go from here? I mean, I think we can go deeper. You can do more studies. I think Douglas Jacoby has a, a real good article on that. You can look it up under douglasjacoby.com or .org. Do more studies on it. It, it was a really painful chapter, uh, and many chapters, actually, in Israel's history. That's why God says, listen, you're, you're separate. You're holy. Okay? We'll talk a little bit more uh, later on as we, we open things up. He says, come out. And this is where it's the, it gets into the individual in terms of God's relationship with us. Two scriptures earlier, it says that you will be my people. Here it says what? He says, I will be a father to you. You will be my sons and daughters, says 
the Lord Almighty. It's not just a corporate thing that God's looking at. He's looking at a, a, a relationship with each one of us in this room. He says, I need you to put me first. I need you to trust me in this relationship. I need you to consider that your relationship with me trumps any other relationship. Even though you really feel like, I want this, I need you to really trust me and do it my way. I do believe that we can do a lot more to open the dialogue in a mature way about dating and marriage. I think there are people that feel like maybe we talk about dating too much. And I know some of the singles in here, it feels like the, the, maybe the, the marrieds are, that's all they talk about. Is, are you going to get married? Are you getting married? And that's, 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 that's not encouraging, right? That's not respectful. Some of us in here, we want to get married, but in our time. Okay? Some of us in here really enjoy the single life. Paul actually said, look, it is not all gravy when you get married. Right? Right, Miyoko? I mean, it's tough, right? I guess Miyoko's like, yeah. I'm just kidding. No, it's tough. Lena and I have been married for 24 years. There's been some tough days. And, um, you know, it's not easy. I think that even in the world today, there's a lot of weird stuff on the Internet, our culture. During the last Valentine's Day, I, did, I actually did a little study on the whole Internet uh, dating uh, phenomenon and the way that they do it. They match you up, you know, metrics by metrics, by likes. And they try to, it's a science. They try to get it down all the way to the common denominator. And I was just thinking to myself that there's no perfect system. Even if you find all the right qualities that you, oh, she likes strawberries. Oh, she likes it, you know, with a little cream and all the stuff. What if, what if, what if it turns out that, you know, there are other areas that there are mismatched. What are you going to say? He says, I didn't pay for this or I didn't get this. I didn't order this. Right? It's never going to be perfect. God leaves room for forgiveness. God leaves room for relationship. That's what a relationship is. In the West, we've gone through some challenges. We have. And uh, we've had several divorces, high-profile divorces, if I might say. And I've looked back into you know, just some, of the, some of the threats, and I don't want to get in all of it, but I know that it has effects for sure, even in, in the campuses. Some of the campus brothers and sisters, it, it has hurt them. And, and I don't know about the singles. I'm, I'm sure it's hurt you as well. And um, in the past, I became a Christian a long, long time ago, 1988. We prided ourselves on saying there's no divorce in the church. Okay? We are a movement that's further along now. We're about 35 years, 40 years into our history. And we're seeing a little bit more of that. And we're trying to figure out what is the threat of that? Okay. It's not easy. It's not easy. So in, in the West, I know that we've gone through some stuff. I know that we need to really get back into, really, it's been alarming. So we're trying to get back into what Jesus said. What did he say? He says, deal with stuff. Lead us not into temptation. We want to deal with stuff at that level instead of it going so deep that's almost like it's done. There's not much else we can do in this situation. With the singles, you have a great opportunity right now. And I want to really, if I may, I've got some ideas, like some crazy ideas. Like, like I, had, I was just driving, I was just thinking about this idea for the singles to be on the fast track. And it's subtle, but it's sensitive, too. How do you get the singles to date? But yet, you know, don't freak them out. Says, man, if I get into this dating, i got to get married. No, no, you don't. So I thought about this. I said, what, what if we get into this, this great uh, program or camp? I don't even know the words yet. I haven't settled on that. 
But I was thinking, like, not final, not fatal. <laughs> hear me out. 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 When I became a Christian, we were a little bit conservative in our churches. We had the six, five, four, three, two, one rule. You know what that means? Oh, yeah, some old time. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was a rule. It was a man-made rule to protect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you date, you like somebody, you date for six weeks, and then you like them, the next time you can date is five weeks. And you still like them, the next time you can date is four weeks, and so on down, okay? That's man-made, and, and you know, was the, the goal of it is love, to protect their relationship. But, but what happened was that with some of these man-made rules is that what? What do you think happened to some of these guys? Well, they call them weasel dates, Right? They would figure out ways to meet somewhere. If that brother knows a certain sister that he likes is going to be at a certain spot, he makes sure that he's there as well. So in his own conscience that he's clear. You know, so in his own conscience he's not breaking anything. Oh, hi, you know, so they would sit down together. So, you know, they would, so, you know, rules, that's what rules does. Right? So what I was thinking was, and I was kind of hoping Steve wasn't here. <laughs> but when I saw him, I was like, oh. But I'm going to say it anyways. <laughs> I was thinking. <laughs> I was thinking of this. What do you guys think about this? Not final, not fatal. If you like somebody, what do you, what do you date with that person and see? I mean, it depends on, you know, your, where you're at, what, you're, what you want to do. Uh, you know, you date with that person six weeks in a row, seven weeks in a row. But, it's, but, but we create an atmosphere where it's just to get to know one another. It's not final. And it's not fatal. So when you break up, you no, know, that's not the right person for me. But it speeds up that process of really getting to know one another. It's not the same as Isaac and Rebecca, but it's obviously not what some of you guys are going through with Jacob and, uh, and uh, Leah and Rachel as well. So... You know, it's one of those things where, hey, I'm, I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking, okay? So let's figure that out. Let's, let's meet those needs, but let's do it in a way that God wants us to do it. Let me close on out. It says, therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. We started off by saying the goal of this command is love. The goal of this scripture is reverence for God. I tell you, one of, to me, um, I think one of the saddest things that I see in Christians as disciples is that we don't see our value in the eyes of God. I really think that that's one of, I think that is one of the things that Satan really steals from us. I don't think we know how valuable we are in the eyes of God. I don't think we understand so that when, when God gives us these instructions, it's, it's not to harm us, it's to help us. It's to guide us, to lead us. And maybe not in this lifetime when it, we're not going to get everything, but man, he wants to see us to the end. He wants us to, I mean, this is, James says, it, this is a mist. But what happens after this life is eternal. You know, we, we need to see that. When I was in Bangkok, I'm a night owl. I love late nights. I would go out at night and uh, have noodles with the brothers, like one in the morning, two in the morning. I'm just a night owl. So when we moved back to PV, I went nuts. Like everything closed like 7 o'clock. I'm like, these people are crazy. You know, they're like, they get a life, you know. And uh, we lived in a, a red light district in Bangkok. And uh, the name will give you away. It's called Cowboy Alley. <laughs> you know, that's where we live. We live on Cowboy Alley. Um, I would go out there and um, 
I would see these, these girls that are working who would sell themselves for $20, $30, you know. And I was just thinking to myself, says, man, how much if they just know, if they just knew that you were created in the image of God? How powerful that, would that be? How powerful would that be? I want to encourage us here today to really think about that. That's not the church. It's not the, these rules and all these things. It's our own relationship with God. It's protecting that, honoring that out of reverence for God. Amen? I'm going to open it up. Any questions? Any thoughts? Any, anything, anything specific that, uh, that came to your mind? Rick? Maybe you can stand up. I think we have. The first paper I did in college was on interfaith marriage. And what it basically boiled down to was when all the numbers were crunched and everything, and there was a small amount of people, almost anecdotal evidence, that, that the people's faith maintained and grew. But for the most part, trying to cooperate with one another in the marriage, the marriage would eventually be faithless. They would not favor one. The Jew wouldn't go with the Catholic. The Catholic wouldn't go with the Jew, the Baptist, the Presbyterian. And so what it did was it basically took faith out of that, their children's lives as well as their own. That's good. All right. Any questions? Thoughts? Yeah. It's not so much a question, but um, I came into the kingdom married, and uh, my husband and I were actually ministry leaders in Toronto, and we had like three family groups under us and a series of events. He fell away. We ended up getting divorced for biblical reasons. And like that uh, saying they used to say, there was never a divorce amongst believing members. I've seen a pattern of so many uh, couples getting divorced biblically. Um, but it's like this epidemic, like Satan knows where you live and he attacks families. Yeah. And I've also seen um, sisters, you know, desperate to want to be loved and, and married and in a relationship. And I've got two very close friends, both from previous regions that I was a part of. Um, now with non-believers, they've left the church and um, they both seem really happy. But the thing is... They've literally given up their salvation for this relationship, and it's so sad to me. And my prayer is that eventually they will come back as a married couple to the church, and um, because inevitably they'll have have issues. And you know, I I try to teach. I had some single women under me at one point, and I tried to teach them that you know the Bible says a wife's a woman's desire a woman's desire will be for her husband. And so God puts that on our hearts, but he wants us with a godly man because if the man does not love God first and foremost, he will never love the woman the way we crave to be desired, to be loved. And it's uh, it's a deep thing. I want you to think about that, women. If the man does not love God truly with all his heart, mind, soul, and strength, he's not going to love you the way you want to be loved. And eventually there's going to be a crack in that relationship. So um, I'm happily single because God is enough. Amen. And if he chooses to change that, then amen. I'm, I'm open. But It's a really uh, great point. When I was dating, uh, that decision that I made, I was 21 years old. And it was the hardest decision that I've ever made because emotionally it's really tough. But intellectually, it was the easiest decision I've ever made because I realized that as well. I said, this girl, she went through the studies. Man, this girl, if she doesn't love God, I kind of knew. I kind of knew that if she doesn't love God, despite all that God has done for her, I kind of knew in my heart and in my mind, there's there's no way she's going to love me. And so it wasn't just a heart decision or faith decision, but it was really an intellectual decision as well. Another idea I had was, for those who want to, because as singles, uh, you have a great opportunity. Because once you're married, it's a little bit hard to work on things. And God exposed you through your marriages as well. But as singles, you have a great opportunity to work on all these things before you get married. 
So another thing, an idea that I had was have two tracks, you know, with the married helping out um, uh, with the brothers. Maybe the brothers can help the brothers out. And I think we got to get over this too about the marrieds and the singles. The marrieds, we just, they just want to help out, guys. It's not like, you know, they just went through more stuff. And they're just in a position to help out, whether it's career or life, whatever. They've just gone through stuff. I was thinking of having, um, what do you guys think of this idea? Having brothers go through this track of really getting ready to be in the position to get married. And I think maybe the sister will be fired up about that, you know, to get the brothers ready, to get, you know, let's work on the debt or student loans or or whatever character issues. Let's work on table manners, you know, sit down and talk and, you know, those basic things and questions and how to ask questions and you know, maybe not James Bond, but, you know, I mean, you know, you, you get the point. I think sisters the same way, too. Maybe we can have classes where some of these older married sisters can teach the younger sisters. That's biblical, by the way. Invite some of the men to come in, too. Says, hey, look, uh, what do men look for? What do spiritual men look for in a sister? And really have that kind of dialogue with each other to, to really pr- provide uh, that kind of resources. So those are some thoughts that I've had. Any questions or any thoughts? Yeah. Um, I just wanted to say thank you, Ken, for actually um, talking about this. I think something um, that a lot of the singles deal with this on a daily basis, and it's so great to hear from the pulpit. I really wanted to say thank you for doing that because I think it's something that it could be easily, like we can think that we're the only ones going through it. Uh, it's so funny because me and a sister this afternoon, we just prayed and talked about something like this. And it's so easy to lie to ourselves like we're okay when we're not really okay. And this is the number one thing that takes us out as disciples, single disciples. And it's just that we just had to, you know, encourage each other. Just everything you said is not a bunch of rules just to make us stay this way. But it's like God is trying to protect us. And in that point, in that moment, you're not, we're not seeing it because we don't see our self-worth. And it's just a reminder that our relationship with God is the most important. That if we die today, it doesn't matter about whether we're married or single. It's our relationship with God. And that's what that matters. And I think this just helped me to see that, wow, that if I'm willing to, you know, put my relationship with God on hold, what am I looking forward to a relationship with this man that I don't know, like his emotions can go from one way to another and treat me whatever way he wants if he's not a godly man and doesn't fear God. And I think as sisters, we just need to remind ourselves that God has the best for us. I think I forget that all the time. And I've seen him answer so many of my my sister friends and bless them. The one recently was Winters and the way God blessed her was way more than I, I could even imagine. And even though she had to wait that long to meet that man, it was the best thing that she could have ever thought for. And I remind myself a day like God will have that person for me if I'm just willing to wait for him. And even if I, don't, if I die before then, that my ultimate groom is Jesus. And I have to remind myself that all the time. So sisters, hang in there if you're hoping for that. And let us just continue to talk about this and not lie to ourselves that it's nothing that doesn't bother us, that we should get in each other's lives and really be open and because it will take us out if we're not open. So I just want to say, Ken, again, thank you so much for bringing this up and talking to us about it. Hello. Um, so, Ken, I just wanted to get your feedback. I feel like there's been a number of scenarios um, as a disciple where I've studied with people. And um, they might be really, you know, religious, good-hearted people that already, you know, have a love for God. And then they come to a conclusion, wow, I really haven't been living the life of a disciple. I need to. We're on agreement. Yay. And then um, they, but they have a dating relationship with a good, you know, church boy. And, um who goes to another church, is involved in his church. And um, I feel like I've this has happened to me a number of times. And I'm never really, um, it, it seems like, anyway, that, that's basically it. Do you have any advice or suggestion with, when studying with people, you know, what to do in that scenario? Here you go, Steve. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah. I'll, I'll have an answer. I have a question. Oh, okay. Can I answer, try to answer this one first? Yeah. 
I think, well, similarly, I, I had a situation this past um, a couple months ago that a sister likes had an interest in this guy that left the church, uh, our, our church. And I really appreciate this sister. She had the heart to really pull me in and Lena in, and we actually met with this guy a couple times and um, talked to him. And, and honestly, and it was a really good talk, and, you know, we're, we're, we're continuing that dialogue. So I think that the answer to that is, Let's find out. Let's find out. I mean, we are called to put God first. So I was in a position 26 years ago where I was really in my face. I need to make this decision. And, and I, I hope that other people don't have that stark of a decision to make. But I think that we need to sit down with that person. Let's say you sit, you're studying with a, a woman. Here, here's how I would do it. Is let's, let's have dinner with the guy. Let's, instead of just cutting it off right away, let's get a chance to bring him in. And I, I know a lot of situations where that happened and both of them became Christians. So I think dialogue, I think opening it up, encouraging her not to be afraid, but just let's see. And, and her heart's going to be tested, you know, where he's at. Um, so I think it's part of what God is doing and allowing these things to play out, you know. And you're right. I mean, sometimes it's not as clean as we like it to be, right? Somebody was coming in and there's no attachment. That's just the way it is. And so let's sit down and let's talk to that person. And I think that's where ministry people, brothers, can help out, too. You know, if, if the guy comes into church, brothers, you know, let's... Uh, I know in UCLA at one time, um, they had a lot of sisters, so one of the things that they did was that, you know, the sisters would invite the guys to come to church, and they would come. And then when they came, all the brothers would come and just snarf them up. And uh, the open guys became Christians. And uh, that became a really great ministry. So, yeah. I think for me, um, one of the things that is is good to use as a means of a filter, per se, would be what we have in Galatians 5 and verse 22. It says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is now no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, we must also follow the Spirit. And I think... I think when it comes to situations like this, time is obviously a component. And those aspects of the fruit of the Spirit, if we apply them, God will make it clear. I think what can happen is if we're trying to push a situation that is on a heart level that's emotional, we can make the wrong decision. And I think a couple of things that are key there are patience and self-control. What can happen a lot of times, you put yourself into that kind of a position there are other areas you start to compromise in. All of a sudden, you're alone with this individual, and it gives the opportunity for other sin to slip in. So, you know, there's a lot of different things. Somebody had mentioned, okay, well, what about people that are members of the ICC? Well, again, I think the, the thing that's going to be key there is exposing it to the light, doing it in the light, doing it in the open. I mean, we know that from a belief standpoint, there's a lot of things doctrinally that are the same, but what it gets down to is the conduct of the individual, and the only way we're going to know that is with time. You know, Jesus talks about being salt, being light. All those things will be exposed with time. Just not being impatient. I think when you connect on that emotional level and you try to push things, that's where Satan will get in there. He knows the buttons to push, and it can be incredibly dangerous. And we've heard it shared here tonight. I mean, we, we all know individuals that have gone down that road. And some of them make it, some of them don't. But why not err on the side of doing everything we can to make sure that we make it, knowing how short this life is versus what we'll be looking at with eternity? Maybe one more. Uh, we'll end out in about two minutes. Or are we good? Right. Right, that's a great point. I think that, you know, when you get married, obviously... Um, there's no perfect marriage. There's no perfect person. And that's the beauty of it. You know, it's just in marriage, there's forgiveness. And, you know, when my wife, um, when she is working on there, my wife has weaknesses that I don't. I have weaknesses that she doesn't have. And when I realize that and she does something, and when there's forgiveness, oh, my gosh, I mean, this woman blossomed. You know, she just feels really um, grateful that I know her I know her weakness, weaknesses, vice versa. And I still love her and she still loves me. 
But I appreciate what Veronica is saying is that, but as singles, we get a chance to work on that. Let's work on that and let's get ready, you know, so that when we do have that relationship, then, then it is, it is in, a, in a better position to, to really enjoy our relationship. Okay? But I, I also, let me close it out by saying this, is that I think in the West in the last few years, I've realized that we've focused a lot on governance and it's good and bad. I mean, it's good in the sense that we're always trying to figure out how we can organize each other and how do we govern one another. It's bad in the sense that that's not really the issue in some ways. And I think that when you do that, you, you put all this focus on here and you're not dealing with the heart. You're not dealing with the discipleship issues in our hearts. I think that the singles ministry can benefit absolutely by really discipling one another, getting one another strong, closer to God. And I, I guarantee you, when we do that, we're going to see miracles happen. We're going to see just this, this a flood of, of just spiritual power that God's going to give us. And I think a lot of great things will happen out of that as well. Amen? Thanks so much for letting me speak to you guys tonight. Amen. You've just listened to the Elevate Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit elevatecoastal.com.